We are back. Like I said last week, it's Ted Lasso season, people. We are focusing on Ted Lasso for two straight weeks on this podcast. If you don't like it, well, please don't change the channel. Please actually keep listening to us. We, we need your engagement. But we can promise you we'll be getting back to other things in future weeks. But listen, season two, it's just too good to not talk about. Last week, we discussed season one and how it became this breakout hit and why it became this huge phenomenon that kind of took over television last year. This week, we're back with more. We're going to dive into season two, give our review, give our little predictions for what's to come. Super excited about it. Yes. And Brandon, this week on Must Watch, as with last week, we are joined by a special guest, my friend Ellie Hagen, who is a screenwriter and an author and just a big old Ted Lasso super fan. But we all are Ted Lasso super fans. Who among us is not a Ted Lasso super fan, I ask? Sadists? Yeah. Like, yeah, no one I want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> Allie, thank you for coming back on the show. We really appreciate it. We love getting the screenwriter's perspective because, you know, as, as media members, Gene and I, I think certainly are capable if we if I can toot our own horns at criticizing yes. evaluating reviewing baby. shows but having someone who's inside the kind of writing process gives us a, a, this unique point of view in terms of talking about Ted Lasso and, and why it is so great and certain things we might change so just to start off quickly we're not going to get into spoilers anybody or deep deep spoilers maybe do a light smattering of spoilers but I'd love to just hear both of your guys's quick reviews and thoughts of season two thus far because right now when we're recording this they have sent out six of the episodes yes and we we have all watched those episodes I mean not to brag but like a little to brag sorry about it it's (laughs) one job perk low pay but at least you get to watch six episodes of Ted Lasso before the general public (laughs) definitely a big perk the big bark um and like the only thing that many of us have been living for for a long time uh I mean that jokingly but also a little seriously it's fine we're all fine guys um <laughs> you are the everything is fine meme with the room yeah. on fire yeah, everything's totally fine um I would like to start and I'm gonna say simply um I loved it I can't wait for the rest of it. I can't wait for season three. I can't wait to rewatch these episodes. I can't wait to rewatch season one again when I feel crappy. Um, I just give me all the lasso, baby. All right, Allie, what do you think? It are you as effusive as Jean? Because it might be hard, yeah. might be hard to match that. <laughs> well, it actually, well, it might be hard to match that. It's kind of a, an interesting way of thinking just about season two in general, because season one is so good and it must've been so difficult to like go back into the room, go back on set, especially during a pandemic. I'm pretty sure the season two room was on Zoom. Um, it must've just been really hard to like go in with the pressure of having the success of season one on your shoulders. And I, I think it absolutely lives up. I have already rewatched a bunch of the season two episodes. <laughs> All right, so am I as crazy and obsessed as you? Because I have rewatched them two and a half times, all six episodes. I'm, I'm almost done with my third complete rewatch. It's just so damn alluring. Uh, I agree with both of you guys. I think it is wonderful so far. And I think specifically what I like, and I want to hear kind of where you guys honed in on season two. I like that it seems to be about our characters finding oneself. You know, Jamie's learning to become a better person. Uh, Roy is struggling with his identity and, and trying to define himself without football. You know, Rebecca is realizing 
She needs to get back out there romantically and be brave enough to be vulnerable while searching for love. And Ted, who we've talked about, the eternal optimist, kind of coming around and being honest enough with himself to finally acknowledge that maybe he needs some help every now once in a, a while. So those are kind of the anchors to me in season two that I thought was a great build upon of season one. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, because there's, there are great character moments and great character episodes throughout the six, like that aren't necessarily characters that they focus too too much on in season one I think without having to deal with the overall trappings of um you know is Ted the of the Rebecca's lying to Ted she's trying to actually trying to get him out like all of what season one was really based on without that conceit the show can really focus in more on individual characters and what they're going through um independently and then collectively as a team and I just think it makes for an even more like emotional show yeah one thing that I really loved about the new season is we get to learn a lot more about some of the other players because I feel like in season one there was enough you know they had a lot of ground to cover with just the general premise of the show and then they had the Jamie and Roy stuff that there wasn't too much room to focus on the other players and this time there is that that room and I'm loving it I I'm really enjoying it meeting all of these weirdos that inhabit this universe um, is really delightful. I think uh, I'm particularly um... <laughs> fond of the new Dutch character who is hilariously deadpan and literal and doesn't realize that he may be offensive and or, you know, kind of speaking out of pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Ali, I think you brought up a really good point in that the lie that was hanging over everything, the dynamics between Rebecca and Ted Now that that has been solved, it pushes the show into new directions. But I also kind of compare it a little bit to a will they, won't they romance in a sitcom. It is a way to wring out sustained tension. And sometimes without that, once that has been solved, you do see shows maybe hit a little bit of a wall. How how do you think they've actually overcome that and, and turned that to their advantage when they could have continued to really use that as this suspense builder for lack of a better term right um and uh, that's a good question I think it's because I don't know okay I'm not a reporter and so I don't know how to talk about things so just tell me if I like can't say this I guess it's like making putting putting the team that on the um on the defense that's you know putting the team in an in a disadvantageous position at the you know they at the end of last season where they got relegated and now they're they're struggling to get out of relegation um and you know it's it's unclear how successful they'll be at that that gives everyone something to do together that gives that the common everyone has a common enemy and it's not each other it's and it's not even one person it's like it's it's being relegated um, yeah. And a little bit of a corporate mm-hmm. interference. Yeah. Capitalism is, is really all of our enemies, truly. And I do like in this season, Ted Lasso says, and this isn't much of a spoiler. He goes, I'm a communist. And everyone's like, huh? And he goes, I'm a rom communist. And then it launches into an entire episode that's so pitch perfectly, I think lampoons all the cliches and tropes of the rom-com drama. And it is just, 
honestly, it's beautiful. Like I was close to weeping at the end of that episode. And we're not going to get into to deep spoilers, but you could tell that Ted Lasso not only is a loving show, but it loves the things it makes fun of. It's always coming from that place of warmth. So in watching new episodes, Brandon, you mentioned you really liked the new Dutch character, but do you have any other new characters or old characters that we've learned more about that you are enjoying? I think there's one episode in which, and I apologize because I, I, the name escapes me, but the woman who Ted Lasso had a one night stand with, who is best friends with Rebecca, pull back the curtain on her dynamic with Rebecca and who Rebecca used to be and how she's working her way back to that happy, giving, caring person she used to be. So I thought that was a great example of using a character that is very much their own, yet also able to aid another character's de- development and dynamic. What about yeah. you guys? Were there any particular new faces or old, old twists on, on familiar faces that really drew you in? Phoebe, the, Roy's niece, who's, who's in a little bit of uh, the new season. I just think she's darling. That's what my aunt would say. She's darling. And like, and, and she provides some good opportunities for Roy and Keely to like do home stuff. I like home stuff. They're pseudo yeah. parents. I like, um, I really love Sam. Sam is a player that we met in season one and we caught little glimpses and he was memorable, but I think they finally give, they give him um, some actual substantial (laughs) storyline. And that's really been fun to watch. And I'm curious how they go about that, you know, because you're right. Sam's elevated into a more prominent character position in season two. What is the thinking behind the scenes, you think, uh, on which characters have potential to be expanded on and take a larger leadership role and fight for the affections of us, the super fans? I feel like part of a, part of the that on a, a sitcom like this is is the rhythms that you can find after you've worked out some of the kinks, but also after you have worked with people for a full season and you learn more about them. And I feel like this happens on a lot of comedies where you, uh, you know, they the writers get to know the actors and write to their strengths and the actors get to know their characters sorry the art actors get to know their characters better and you know inform them in a different way and and maybe give some input on where they want to see them going and I feel like that is definitely something that you can see in season two in terms of the players that we had met and even um even Nathan yeah. uh, you know Nate the even, great. even yeah Nate the Great even even him, um, who she, he's someone we met, but we didn't really know much about him. We get to learn all about his his life and his background. And what about you, Allie? Any anyone that kind of popped for you in season two else besides Phoebe, who's lovely? You're right, quite darling. Um, there's also there's a uh, in the same way that they've elevated Sam. There's also a really good episode that focuses a bit on Isaac. Um, who's a great character that they, um, that became, he became the team captain at the end of last year, Roy had to decide who was going to take his badge from him. And, um, and it was Isaac. And I, I, there's, there's some really nice moments with that, that I thought were well earned, I guess we had, we didn't know that much about him when he got the badge and now we know a little more. 
Yeah, they, they do a good job of providing some further details and context for a lot of these side characters. So even if they're not maybe a main player, we at least feel somewhat connected or at least understand where they're coming from in certain instances, which I think is tough to do. You know, it's a lot of characters. Yeah. <laughs> now, we have basically talked both last week and now about all the things we love about Ted Lasso. And it's easy to do because it's a very lovable show. It's, it's a feel-good show. It, it's heartwarming. It helps kind of expand your, your good emotions. But we are also, you know, critics. And in your case, a, a talented screenwriter in her own right, Allie. So are there any criticisms, critiques, any, any flaws you see with the shows, any things you'd like to tweak or change? Because no show is perfect. I'll say that. Um, you look at me was... incredulously like, I don't know. This show's pretty perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Well, in the interest of just completing your assignment, there was one moment, I think it's in the first episode of season two, that I thought this is just fan service. And it was literally just one joke. And I, I kind of rolled my eyes and then moved on. That's fair. I, I do think Can it's I, aware of the name and shame. It's in the first episode. Name and yeah. shame. Okay, it's just when they're they're all in the in the briefing room and Trent Krim says Trent Krim and everyone goes the independent and it's like yeah like that's just that's just like a fan thing like that wouldn't happen in real life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It wouldn't. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not yeah, exactly. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever is the yeah, right whatever. response to that. <laughs> A, a passable offense, right? That's what we'll call it. Totally. Yeah. You you just you asked me to find a flaw. Oh and yeah, <laughs> and that is it. That's and I it. No. I do respect though that in that moment, even Trent Krim laughed. He was like, Ah, you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say that um, I would have loved to. I think they rectified one of the things that I would have liked to see, and that is more women on the writing staff. And I they like they did do that. There are more women writers. I think there are more writers of color this season and uh so like great let's keep working working towards that yeah it's important <laughs> particularly as a multicultural show a diverse show that has a ton <laughs> of powerful women and, and an entertaining women and a ton of different ethnicities represented it's important that the writers room reflect that because that what leads to authentic writing in my point opinion yeah what about you brennan what are you what are you, what can you nitpick? Cause truly that's kind of what we're yeah. doing. <laughs> and this is going to be a nitpick because I'm reaching, scraping the bottom of the barrel to come up with some sort of legitimate criticism because of how much I enjoy the show from a scene to scene, episode to episode level. And the only thing I would change is Ted Lasso's over-reliance on folksy witticisms. You know, in season one, it was cute, but here in season two, it is far too abundant there is one conversation early on accounted in which he uses three similes and metaphors back to back to back all the things out of his mouth in that conversation are cute little like well that's what same thing i'd say when like and do this and that's what i would do and and listen i, I get it because this show as we talked about last week has never really been about traditional setup punchline jokes like you might find in other sitcoms and in season one this personality tick of ted's substituted for that humor quite effectively most of the time but i think it gets a bit annoying here in season two where one out of every three things out of his mouth is some sort of cutesy folksy comparison metaphor so i i think they can pull back on that a little bit but again i love ted lasso he's my spiritual leader i dedicate my my life to him now the character <laughs> um i also love that you did his accent too brandon but i really not well <laughs> not well but it's the thought that counts so i really I respect how you go for it yeah you definitely... we do 
I definitely go for it. I, uh, I tell my girlfriend all the time, I have irrational self-confidence. I don't, I don't care what anybody anywhere thinks of me. I'm going to do me. I, I embarrass her in the supermarket because I dance when they're playing good music. And, you know, she'll be picking out eggs, looking mortified. And I'm just like, what's up? You know, how you doing? Yeah. Um, to describe this for the listeners, um, Brandon did dance. Yes. Oh yeah. I'm a big dancer. No, I'm, dancing. I'm, I'm mimicking it, but you probably can't see it. So that's fine. So, but back to Ted Lasso, those are some criticisms. So where would you guys like to see the show go? You know, are there any areas or themes you'd like them to touch on any characters you want further developed? You know, what are your hopes for the back half of season two? Um, I'll go, I'll go first. Cause I, this is something that I really appreciate about the show and I is, it is what, they're going to tackle and I don't think it is a spoiler to say that they definitely go in deep with uh, mental health and specifically Ted's mental health and how he's coping with you know high stress job uh, <laughs> uh, going through a divorce from who someone who's clearly the love of his life being away from his son who is so important to him and uh, that is something that the show is really leading into head on. And I'm wondering if that is something that they would have focused on just in general in a, in a you know, pre-COVID world, or if it's something that they kind of noticed was a huge theme or just something that we were all struggling with in the past year and wanted to put it on screen. But either way, um, I really love that it's something that they are not, you know, steering clear of. I really like that. How about you, Allie? I've been trying to think. I don't know. I guess I just really, I agree with Jean. I think that that's a really smart, timely thing that they seem to be focusing on they and which they did in season one too with um and it seems like they're leaning in a little more there's a, a sports psychologist who's on staff now which is so it, it gives everyone an opportunity to discuss um kind of what they're all going through and it's um it definitely feels like very of the moment even for a show that also has soccer fans in the stadium every week which makes no sense but <laughs> But it exists it, in a different universe. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's no way a real human being could be this wholesome, optimistic, and wonderful. And if that person did exist, they would exist in a world without COVID, you know, because that world would be, for the most part, wholesome and wonderful. I mean, even his biggest haters at the town pub love him. Yeah, exactly. Like any sports fan, like, yeah. Uh, any sports fan can like, tell you that that is not the case. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, to tie, kind of tie a bow on this conversation, I want to ask and zoom out a little bit and ask, you know, we've mentioned it before, both last week and when we've talked about Ted Lasso in our Apple TV Plus episode, which you guys should go check out in case you're looking for more TV recommendations. But season one came around in the pandemic, right at the heart of, of lockdown, where we didn't have much to do, where we were kind of depressed about the state of the world and our own lives. And I think it's feel good nature definitely benefited from that and maybe contributed to it becoming a phenomenon in that time. Now that here in the US, we are more or less approaching normalcy and we're not necessarily on lockdown and things aren't quite as dire. Do you think season two will have as much of a impact and in, in connection with audiences? Or do you think it is fighting an uphill battle because the, the conditions surrounding its release have changed? That's an interesting question. Only I, type of questions I asked you. Yeah, yeah. 
I think I'm going to say maybe a little bit of both. I think that it's going, it's, as Ellie mentioned before, it's facing some really high expectations, which is also always really difficult. Um, And I think that that is going to be really tough and maybe not everyone will be as effusive as we were about the new episodes. But on the other hand, I think it's going to be even more of a collective experience because I think that the way that people watched Ted Lasso last year, obviously there were a lot of people, particularly TV critics and, you know, our, our kind of uh, colleagues and, and friends watched at the beginning, kind of started beating the drum and people slowly picked it up like Allie, who didn't watch it until around Christmas time. And then, you know, became a a devotee like the rest of us. And so we're all going to be watching it at the same time now. And I think that's really fun. And it's like a fun collective TV experience that we can have together in a way that maybe the like so-called post pandemic life wouldn't have made sense for right because everybody's like out and about doing things but guess what we're still all gonna watch Ted Lasso when the new episodes drop because it was something that got us through the past year it's no longer a word of mouth show it is appointment viewing all together communally you know monoculture yeah exactly exactly it's why I kind of regret watching the screeners. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But you can always you. <laughs> re watch with everybody, you know, so you can be I, in on the yeah. Twitter discourse. Jean, war- Jean warned me. She I was told- like, she was like, what you like about television is watching it with the with Twitter all at the same time. And you're just going to be sad when they're over. And like, yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was I warned her. I was like, this is the problem with screeners. It's awesome because we get to watch the show that we love before everyone else. But the problem is that you watch those six episodes and then you have to wait even longer for new episodes when everybody else starts getting the new ones and then they're excited about the new ones. You know, there's there's pros and cons. I'm still not mad that I (laughs) got to see the new ones like that's my nitpick about Ted Lasso. I I want more. (laughs) Please give us more. I will watch them as fast as they can make them like, please, just (laughs) in my eyeballs immediately. (laughs) <laughs> right, any parting thoughts before we go and we we let people cool down from our Ted Lasso love fest? Um, Ali, what are your thoughts on Roy Kent this season? Is he hotter or less hot than he was in season one? Is he still he destroying is hotter. mankind? He's hotter. <laughs> he's hotter. <laughs> no <Here's> hesitation. <laughs> uh, he's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. <laughs> Roy can't. Roy can't. All right. Before we go, Allie, I want to thank you for joining us as always. Please let everybody know where they can follow you, where they can find your work, all that good stuff. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Allie Hagen. I like yeah. that. I'm going to be doing that right after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I follow you back. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, everyone, please leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can follow Gene uh, and I at Hygiene at great underscore Catsby on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you guys want us to cover in future episodes across the streaming spectrum. So let us know. Yeah, and please feel free to message us all about Ted Lasso because it's literally all we want to talk about all of the time. It's fine. We are drinking the Kool-Aid within the yeah. cult of Ted Lasso. This is a healthy love. It's yeah. a healthy thing to love. It's Absolutely. fine. And it's requited because, you know, Ted Lasso loves all. That's true. Okay. <laughs> all right. Until next week, everybody. Bye.